Welcome to Black, Brown, and Bilingue, where our mission is to unite the Black and Brown communities through education, storytelling, and community engagement. The vision of Black, Brown, and Bilingue is to be part of creating a world in which Black and Brown identities are affirmed, bilingualism and biculturalism are nurtured, and equity is the driving force behind all that we do. Thank you for joining us again today. I am Lisette Jacobson, and I am one of your hosts. And I'm Maurice McDavid. I'm your other host. We are super ecstatic to have Clement Townsend with us today. He has spent 17 years on television as a sports journalist covering the Super Bowl, the NBA All-Star Game, the CFB National Championship, and much more. Um, he is extremely passionate about the media and has spent the last two years working as a consultant in various schools around Chicago, teaching a medium program, a media program, I'm sorry, having trained 500 plus students and have seen, has seen amazing results. Welcome, Clement. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Glad to be on. You know, um, I'm actually really excited for today's episode because we've had a little bit of a hiatus and to have you be our next guest for the next episode is super exciting. Um, in one of our previous episodes, when Maurice and I talked about the Black Ground Divide, I kind of went on a tangent and talked about exactly what you're passionate about is the media and the lack, honestly, of representation that we see for um, people of color. But before we jump into that, could you give us a little bit of your background? Yeah, so just a brief history about me. Certainly, you know, growing up in Chicago, I wanted to go to the NBA, maybe like some youth that you all work with as educators. But my parents were both educators. My mother was a teacher and my father was an administrator. So as educators, they always want you to have a plan. They say, what is your plan? What are you going to do? So I figured since I wasn't going to be an athlete, I would like to stay around sports. And I decided I wanted to be in the media. But I didn't, know, I didn't know how to do it. I had no idea how to do it, but I wanted to go to college. So I picked the college based on that major, and I ended up going to Temple University. Fantastic school. They prepared me and, get, and gave me what I needed, the information and the platform to move into television. So I started off in San Angelo, Texas. And Maurice and Lissette, I don't know if you all have ever heard of San Angelo. Not San Antonio. <laughs> San Angelo, Texas, small town, West Texas. So I'm from Chicago, Philadelphia. Going to San Angelo was a culture shock. Thought I would be there one or two years. I ended up being there five years. Wow. A lot of soul searching, a lot of uh, uh, faith building, a lot of questioning myself, but I decided not to quit. After five years, I ended up in Mobile, Alabama. I always wanted to make my parents proud, so I didn't want to quit. They're educators, and I wanted them to see me on television in Chicago. That was the dream. Went uh -huh. to Mobile. That's where some of the great things happened that you mentioned, going to the NBA All-Star Game, College Football National Championship, and I met a lot of young people that said, I want to do what you do. 
They wanted to figure out what was the path for them. So I always kept that in mind. You know, they wanted to know how they could tell stories and things of that nature. People say, Clement, you're on your way to ESPN. You can get there. You can make it. But I just wanted to make it to Chicago. So eight years in Mobile. I spent one year in Virginia. And then after 14 years on television, I got the call. Somebody called me from Chicago. That was like the pinnacle for me. But unfortunately, a couple of months before I got the call in Chicago, my mom had pancreatic cancer. So it was a pretty serious uh, bout with cancer. Stage four, she went through a procedure. So the week that I moved to Chicago, she passed away. So, you know, it took me 14 years to get there. That was the highlight. I want her to see me on television. I started my job. She never got a chance to see me. But, you know, that was a tough time in my life. But I spent three years on television in Chicago. And then at that time, um, I was laid off after three years. So I had been on television for 17 years, as you mentioned. But I always remember there were some young people that need to know that they can be on television, that, that need to know about the opportunities in media, that need to know what's possible. So it was at that time, I didn't want to move around anymore. I decided, you know what, I'm going to teach young people. I'm not going to just teach them. I'm going to train them. And that's when I went into schools with the media program, and that led me to where I am today. Following in the steps of your parents, really, as an educator now. Yeah, and, and I never would have thought that I would be an educator, but I guess, you know, things come full circle, and I guess it was in me. So now, you know, some of the things that they were doing, certainly they were in schools on a daily basis, but again, you know, connected to students, trying to teach, trying to learn, trying to inspire. Absolutely, as you said, I'm sure that's something I got from them. Ended up making them proud because my dad is still around and sees me doing what I'm doing now. Oh, and I'm sure he's extremely proud of you. Absolutely. We, we are we are very, uh, very sorry for your loss, um, but I, I can only fathom uh, that 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 mom would just be absolutely ecstatic and, and proud of her young man. Um, you know, I uh, this is my first year as a as a principal and and, and I, you know, shared it with a few other folk. But when I told my mother. You know, there's something about that. So, so absolutely, I'm sure she would be ecstatic. So, now you mentioned that that you have kind of come full circle. You're doing this education piece right now. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? What's the name of, of your organization, and 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 what are some things that you're doing with that? So, the name of the organization is Broadcasting Career Mentor, and certainly, I go into schools and actually train young people in media and journalism. You know, video is huge. You know, there's certainly been a rise in the popularity of video, but just trying to expose young people is one thing, you know, for them to hear about careers in media and people to come by with career days, but it's another thing for them to actually be trained in it and exposed to it. I always say it's hard for young people to aspire to what they have not been exposed to. That's something that is super important mm. to me and getting them to understand the power of the media and, and the messaging that comes with being in front of the camera. So teaching them what is it like to be a reporter? What is it like to be a host? What is it like to tell stories? You know, I, I know you all are passionate about positive images for black and brown people. And certainly if young people or students learn or get training in media now, they can start to push forth and showcase and put those positive images out there and try to change the narrative. 
It definitely is a, a social justice issue. I actually am curious a little bit. Let's let's take it back a little bit. Um, what are some of your earliest memories of, you know, the media, television? What kind of image, images were you seeing? And when did you realize the power that the media has in, in telling, you know, black and brown stories? Certainly my earliest images and um, earliest memories were kind of watching news with my parents. Um, I, I had those parents that, you know, would watch the nightly news. That was kind of appointment viewing, that sort of thing. I think those days have gone by. Uh, you might still have some people to do it, but, you know, uh, certainly the younger crowd, millennials, high schoolers, teenagers, I don't think they're watching news as much anymore. Um, but certainly the news has always been, um, and, and I'll be frank, as you always are, um, negative, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, when, when you watch the news, to, to be honest with you, uh, there's a saying in the news business that if it bleeds, it leads. So mm -hmm. if you are looking to the news for a source of inspiration a lot of times, that's not necessarily what you're going to find. You might find something at the end of the news, what they call a lighthearted story to send you out on a positive note. But, you know, I always felt like um, uh, my earliest memories were, you know, negative images on the news, uh, and certainly, you know, as it pertains to the city and uh, yes. uh, black people uh, and what I would see on the news, definitely it, it wasn't a positive experience or positive memories. And how damaging it is, really, where, um, and I'm going to refer back to this black-brown divide, where if you're not able to develop positive relationships with people who don't necessarily look like you, even though they may be your neighbors or they may live a few blocks away, and the only images you are getting about one another is, you know, violence, crime. And so, you know, for Latinos, there's that, that bias that comes at play because if they are getting that information, it's from the news. And the news, I, I don't know statistically off the top of my head, but we know that majority of black and brown stories are negative Absolutely. and that perpetuates so many stereotypes and and we definitely feel like that is a contributing factor to the division between black and brown communities marissa i see you wanting to jump in yeah i was i was just going to you know as i as i do with all of uh, our guests i'm i'm googling you i'm i'm you know searching you up on youtube and some of those different things and one of the things I found uh, was the, the coverage of the Chicago Elite Pro-Am. Uh, and it's this basketball tournament in Chicago. And, and it was phenomenal because it was this young black man. <laughs> T-shirt, you know, had the earrings in, hadn't changed his image to try to be TV ready, right? And, and was able to go in and present on this basketball tournament uh, asking questions of folk that are away playing at, at, in college. And um, the young man just did a, a great job. Can you, you know, talk a little bit about really, I, I know we've talked about the power of media to shape perhaps imagery in a negative sense. But what's the power of media um, for this young man who was now part of the media as well as the storytelling um, otherwise, you know, I, I think about even, you know, the movie Black Panther, you know, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman, right? Uh, what, what, what can be the power of the media in the other direction? 
So I do have to give a shout out to that young man. That's Cavell Spearman, um, one of my earliest mentees. And he did a fantastic job with that video uh, and had a chance to interview an actual uh, NBA player from the Golden State Warriors. And he has gone on to create a business, you know, in terms of opinionation and, and does video and photography and shoots weddings. So, I mean, he has really taken off um, and has really expanded on what he has learned. Uh, but to your point, though, certainly it builds confidence uh, when young people can be a part of the media, uh, it makes it more realistic that they can actually uh, participate, that they actually matter, that their voice matters, that their voice can be heard. Um, and, and I think, again, once young people get this training, they can understand it, it's not just, oh, the media only covers this or we only see these types of images they now can publish, they now, as you mentioned, Maurice, are a part of the media, and they now can spotlight the positive things that they see. You know, it, it's not anymore where, you know, you have to just wait for a TV station or the only media coverage comes from the network or what have you, you know, with a Facebook Live or Facebook or with a camera phone and editing on a phone with apps and things of that nature, young people can now begin to push out or publish or distribute positive stories about their community. But I just think it's just so important for young people to understand the day and age in which we live in terms of is not just television anymore, but they can be a part of the media, the age that they're at with the phone that they have, the technology that they have, you know, creating videos and doing interviews. And certainly there are so many apps that you can edit with and things of that nature. So they can start to uh, showcase some of the positive things that they see in their community. And it's not just uh, drugs and it's not just gangs and it, and it might not just be robberies around where they live, but you know, some of the good things going on, some of the leaders at their school or in their community and things of that nature. I think it's just so powerful. And, and I really always try to emphasize to young people, like they have so much power. Their voice has so much power. Their voice matters. And then when you add a video to that and really start to push it out there, really start to distribute it with social media, I mean, I feel like that can have such a positive effect on black and brown people um, when young people and students get this training. You, two things that you, you said that just really um, connected. Number one, I love that you are so... Um, you want to empower young people because I think young people right now are going through some tough times and they get such a bad rap. And I, and I feel like people just talk about our youth as it's like a hopeless thing. And that, Oh, these young kids, they don't get it, but they are transforming the way in which we receive information Absolutely. And, and, the, and the information and how we produce it. And two, um, that's why me and Maurice did this this podcast because we're like we're trying to look around and who who is covering the the topics that we care about and and we were like you know what then let's just do do this thing <laughs> so I think what you're saying is is spot on absolutely and and uh, when I work in in schools with students I always encourage them what are they interested in you know let's be honest is it social injustice. Is it uh, guns in their neighborhood? Is it violence? Is it bullying? You know, is it teen pregnancy? You know, what are the things that they are interested in, to, as you mentioned, to try to empower them, to try to get them to understand that they have a voice and they can share their perspective and it's valuable and they don't have to only receive or watch the images that are out there. They can put their own images out there. You, you, 
I'm so passionate about students, not just being consumers, but being creators. Really trying yes, to get that again. Yes. Students, <laughs> not just Mouth. being consumers, but being creators. I know Maurice said he has a family. I, I, I'm pretty sure you're a mom as well. Mm -hmm. And I have children and they, and they want to watch YouTube and things of that nature. But you can create. You don't have to always just watch what people are, are creating and consume their content. You know, how about you now do some videos and things of that nature? So I try to get on my soapbox and no. emphasize that as much as I can. No, definitely. Now, could you tell us like the age ranges that you've worked with and where do you really see that interest in, in being the creators? Is there like a certain age that you've seen, like is it middle school, high school, or is it even younger than that? Like what, can you tell us a little bit more about that, the age group that you work with? So I would say 12 to 18, I would say that's the primary age that I work with. Certainly um, working with high schoolers is a tougher challenge um, because some teenagers uh, aren't always as receptive. So in terms of the, the students in the age group that is more receptive, I would say middle schoolers. Um, for me, I, I see a lot of um, organizations or schools that have CTE programs and they do uh, have some type of media training, but a lot of schools don't have the CTE and they don't have this in their school. And then middle school always seems to get left out. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, what, I don't see a lot of middle schools that actually have this, you know, in the curriculum. You know, journalism is, I'm, I'm all about journalism and all about writing, but this is 2020. And there has been a, just a huge rise in popularity with video. So making sure this is integrated and getting middle schools, you know, the earlier that a young person can get exposed to this, you know, the, the better off they are, uh, you know, the, the, they'll have a leg up and things of that nature. And they can get excited and learn and just be ahead of the game if they can learn it, you know, in fifth grade as opposed to waiting to their sophomore year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Maurice and I, we were both middle school teachers at one point. Okay. And okay. so I just love, love, love that age group. They're knuckleheads, but I love them. <laughs> <laughs> they're absolutely lovable. And, and the things that you can talk about and the things that you can do with them while still being, you know, very moldable, like they are much more receptive, right. kind of like what you said. And so if there is at any time where you really can catch them, it's at that middle school age. Yeah. We, we uh, so I was, I was a middle school uh, American history teacher, and we'd get to America in the 1960s. Um, that was our last unit of the year, and I would have the students actually produce their own documentary okay. um, in which they would interview, uh, one group would interview people from the 60s, another group would collect imagery from the 60s, and, and they each had a different topic. So they'd do pop culture in the 60s, or they'd do politics in the 60s, or they'd do... Uh, the civil rights movement in, in, in the 60s. And um, I would sit and I'd edit it all together there for them. And then we'd have popcorn and they, you know, oh man, it was, it was, it was just huge. It was huge. Um, and and so, you refer to video parties? Yeah. Yeah. Video. Okay. Yeah, no, that's cool. fantastic. I, I, and then I, I really, you had had them edit it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That project-based learning, I think is just so um, needed in terms of uh, allowing them, not necessarily to just, you know, read about things in a textbook, but as you mentioned, to try to like interview somebody or recreate things, uh, things come alive in that fashion with project-based learning. And I'm all about, you know, that sort of thing, independent thinking, I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. Have you, do you feel that your 
um, background in journalism and, and, you know, your ability to speak in public spaces. Like, I feel like those are skills that transcend like journalism and just the media in general. How do you feel this would benefit young students beyond, even if they go into a career in the media or not, like what are some of the benefits that you see? For sure. As you mentioned, I believe these are transferable skills. Like these are skills that you can use in any career field. For me, the top thing is just creativity. I'm just a huge proponent of if you can tap into your creative side, um, you will have a, a very good chance to be successful in life because you won't feel stuck. Um, a lot of young people, you know, feel like they have limited options, but I just believe personally that they haven't tapped into their creative side. So when you learn how to do storytelling and we're talking about the media, you're, you are uh, analyzing information. You're kind of doing interviews as a Maurice referred to in, in a documentary project. You're now writing things down. Hopefully you're filming, you're editing, and you're putting all these things together. And the great thing about it for me and I think for students is, it's no right or wrong. It's, it's you know, how, how Maurice would tell a story and how you, Lissette, would tell a story and I would tell a story. We could all tell a story differently, but it can all be correct depending on our perspective. So, but it allows the, the student or the participant to be creative. And then aside from that, certainly the speaking skills, um, because when I teach storytelling, I teach narration. You know, so many people nowadays, they do filming and they do editing, but I feel like uh, narration and voicing things is a lost art. And if you can speak, if you can communicate, that just builds your confidence. And then if you're doing a story, that's writing as well. So writing, speaking, creativity, critical thinking goes in there as well. Like you can use that in anything. So certainly I'm a huge fan of young people going into the media profession, but I just think like, you know, you all might have music at school, but everybody's not going to be a musician, but there are things that you exactly. can learn. Certainly they have, you know, sports clubs and everybody's not going to be a professional athlete, but you can learn teamwork and goal setting. There are things that you can learn through this program that even if you don't want to go into that field, it'll just benefit you and just help them uh, have a better future, a brighter future, give them more options. You know what? You could tell you have, you know, educators in your family. You come from a family of educators because all of the interdisciplinary connections you just made, talking about the writing, the reading, like, yes, you can tell that you, you know what you're talking about in school curriculum. Did you pick up on that? <laughs> I, I, absolutely, absolutely. So, so I, I do want to, I want to, because I know we've got some other places we're going to head tonight, but, but I, I would be remiss if I did not take this opportunity. I'm, I'm a, Huge sports fan. Me too, me too. Huge sports fan. So, so I'm listening to you talking about media and, and the power of media and, and all of that is so true and is so excellent. But can we can we just take a step back and just be young people for just a moment? You got to meet athletes, right? You got to meet and interact with with uh, with these um you know, superstars uh, uh, with great, incredible athletic talent. Um, in, in the middle of all of that, what, what, what are some of the lessons that you would say you pulled away from, from sports? And I know you said at the beginning that you wanted to be uh, an NBA player. And let me tell you, I wanted to be an NFL star. I was sure. I was sure. In eighth grade, when I was basically the same size I am right now, <laughs> You know, I was destroying kids. But as, as, as Johnny down the street who got the D1 scholarship 
put on another five inches and another 50 pounds, I realized I was going to sit myself at little Knox College and play some D3, you know, D3 football and, um, and be glad about it. But what are those lessons um, uh, maybe that you, you have pulled from sports, lessons uh, about people, lessons about society, um, and, and maybe even uh, anything that you learn while covering sports uh, as, a, as a journalist? I mean, certainly it might be conventional, and I think people hear it a lot. I mean, but it's just the truth, just the work ethic. You know, whether I was covering Alabama football or Auburn football, you know, they're competing at the highest collegiate level. If I'm covering the Super Bowl or the NBA All-Star Game, these are the best of the best. And certainly they are talented, but they put in a lot of time and effort. You know, they're willing to wake up early. They're willing to, you know, hone their skills. They're willing to get better um, because when you compete at the highest level, most people have talent, but it's that work ethic that separates people. Um, certainly when you talk about sports, teamwork is huge. Um, and that's something that, you know, happens in the media uh, to put a show on. It's not just a one person type of thing, whereas I would film and edit. But then a lot of times you have a director back in the back or sometimes you have a photographer. Uh, you do have a producer. So whereas you might see me in front of the camera, there are a lot of other people that are doing things behind the scenes and their job is just as important. So understand the teamwork aspect and how you need uh, everybody to make things work. Um, and, and just the perseverance and things of that nature as well. Uh, not quitting, not giving up. Uh, so many people uh, want to maybe be a professional athlete. And then when it doesn't happen, they don't know what to do. Or so many people might want to be in a certain profession uh, and they quit too quick. That's one thing that I really learned. Some people just quit too quick. Um, so just making sure that you really try to persevere and be resilient. That's the story of my journey. As I mentioned to you all, being in a San Angelo for five years or a mobile for eight years, just perseverance and resilience along with that teamwork and the work ethic. Yeah, that is super important for, for people to know because you're right, you know, if people don't make it and then they sit back like, what went wrong? Well, you know, was that work ethic there? That talent might have been there, but you weren't putting in the time. And that's the stuff that you don't see. You don't see the time that these athletes are putting in or these people in the media, how much time they're putting in. And so that's such a key thing to learn. And you know what? You just gave me a little bit of hope because I want to be over. <laughs> Are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> you just gave me some hope because I love Oprah. Oprah, if you ever listen, like, can I just come have tea at your in your garden? Anyway. <laughs> I do. I want to be the Latina Oprah. Okay. Listen, I I I have a friend, and I'm I'm not going to try to name drop and uh you know do all that, but I have a friend who I just took a picture of and posted on on social media. I went to high school with this young lady and we were not super close and I'm not going to pretend like we're super close right now, but, but a young black woman on, on ABC news, um, uh, who I, I, because uh, we had the same high school counselor, I know her journey. And so Clement to hear you talk about going here and I didn't really, you know, you didn't plan on being on in, in San Angelo. Right. But, but you, you're building, you're building, you're building, you're building. And as that next door opens up. Um, so now this, now this uh, young woman was on uh, election night. Yes. And I'm watching this young woman who I, I went to high school with. Who, who, yeah, yeah, that's her right there, Janae Norman. Um, 
uh, for ABC News. She's on Good Morning America sometimes. And, awesome. and uh, Robin, Robin Roberts, you know, commented uh, and about her curls. And then there was this whole movement and everything. And, but, um, but just knowing her journey and knowing, um, you know, what it took for her to get there, I think uh, th that's a completely valid point. And, and I think really something that we have to be sure is explicitly a part of our instruction, right? Um, and, and, and whatever you're teaching, you can be the classroom teacher, making sure that that work ethic is explicitly a part of, of what we do, I think is um, incredibly important. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to change gears here just a little bit. Um, here we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, here we we'll, go we'll, again. I, here we, it's like I'm on a roller coaster. Where, where are we going? <laughs> we're, 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 see, now we got to edit this out, Lisa. Now you don't mess with This is what we do. Yeah, exactly. So, so here's what I really want to know. Uh, why didn't Trump win Arizona? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to know is LeBron as beastie. That that's that's your question. Just LeBron? <laughs> question mark. Tell us about him. No, um, go ahead. I wanted to talk about women in sports. Like, okay, well, then let's I, come I back also, to that because I was yeah, going to go ahead. I, too, you know, I was such a tumble gr growing up and I love football and I still have a pretty good arm. And I just remember feeling really devastated when I realized, like, oh, girls really don't play football. And, you know, I know we have, I don't know what that league is. I sh I sh WNBA? Yeah, but for football, isn't there like what the girls are dressed a little? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what that league mm, is. Exactly. But um, I was – I remember being so devastated, like, this is it. Why are you laughing, Maureen? <laughs> we were talking about that other league that will continue to remain nameless. That's what I'm saying. Yes. And I just remember – truth be told, I was devastated, like, oh, I can't play football as I get older, you know? And um, even just – Seeing, because I love the NFL, I love football, and I mean, women are either on the sidelines cheering or there's just not a lot of a big presence. And then you really get into that intersectionality, and you definitely don't see Latinas reporting on sports. So why do you think that is, and how can we make that shift? Um, who's that young lady to that coach? Wasn't there a, a, a female coach for the 49ers, I believe? She was on What's what that? was the name, Maurice? I don't remember her name. I just I, I saw her in a couple of commercials. I know. I remember just being like, man, I should have just pursued and had that perseverance and like, but you know, at that time, it would just was never. I had never thought that that would be an option, which again speaks to um, the importance of the work that you're doing. And if you can't see yourself, if you don't see it in the in the media, then you can, you can't aspire to that. So I could literally could not aspire to that because I never saw it. Right. So to your point, I think one of the ways to change that is, you know, to really just start to emphasize this in the school. Um, I, I think I mentioned it before, like certainly there is journalism and there is English. Um, but to let young people know, hey, there are career options and this is something that you can do. Um, you know, uh, this is something that's available uh, because like. A young person might watch a video or watch television, but it still might not click that I could be the person in front of the camera. 
You know, for some people, that might be a natural thought, but unless an adult or someone else tells them like, hey, that could be you, you know, they may, ne they may never even think about that sort of thing. So I really think it, it comes from, uh, as you said, at a young age, as we've discussed in middle school, uh, letting them know it's possible, but also uh, having classes, having training, having curriculum where they're actually doing it. And again, if they do it, then maybe they might be more um, more open to pursuing it or they might find that they're good at it. You know, you, you never know what you're good at if you've never tried it before. Um, and, and even if it's not in front of, certainly there are a lot of other gatekeepers in the media in terms of who decides what stories get on. Um, certainly I was in front of the camera and we're talking about, and you see people in front of the camera, but they are gatekeepers in terms of producers who say, hey, we're going to tell this story. We're going to cover this story. This is what we're going to talk about first. This is what's going to get um, a, a lion's share of the time. We're going to spend a lot of time on this, too. So they don't just necessarily have to be in front of the camera. They can be one of those gatekeepers in terms of a producer or someone who really is a, is a decision maker in terms of what gets on air and how much time is spent on that topic. That is so key. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think. Um, that ability to to do it by the way the the uh the coach's name is katie sowers okay katie sowers um and she is a an assistant um offensive coach uh for the san francisco 49ers i just remember seeing it on the windows commercials i'm um, talking about you know game breakers uh by the way windows if y'all want to sponsor us you know hey we out here you know what i'm saying because uh, because hey we we need sponsors so um, so you, you went from being in the media, covering sports to now owning your own company. And there's something about that entrepreneurial, uh, uh, spirit there. Um, and I, again, that's where I wanted to go here. I just want to know what, what was that? What, what were, what were the, the, what was that decision-making process to say, I'm going to do for self. I'm going to uh, start my own company. And because I think oftentimes people are paralyzed by fear uh, about, you know, um, what if it doesn't work out? What, what if it, uh, what if financially, how am I going to make this work? Right. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that entrepreneurship? Uh, and that piece of it, because it's awesome that you have had that opportunity to work yeah, with somebody else. Question. Speak to that, that entrepreneurship, please. So I guess one of the things uh, when I was telling my story and it came to what happened in Chicago with the cutbacks, um, you know, I have been on television for 17 years and I'm from Chicago and I have a family. Um, and at that time, you know, I, I wasn't going to move anymore. Uh, and I've had some... Uh, entrepreneur I have an entrepreneurial bug I guess I will put it like that and, and you know when you get to a certain point in life you kind of figure out what brings you joy what do you want to do and for me that is working with students working with youth um, you know throughout my TV career I volunteer with big brothers and big sisters and just always had that passion for young people so what brings you joy and then where can you add value and, you know, my media uh, experience, my television experience, I, I, I just see that need. I see that void 
um, uh, in education and the school system. And again, I, I just believe the media is so, is so powerful. And, and nowadays with technology, you know, it's just a difference. And I'm sure the same thing for you all. When I was in middle school, like there was no camera phones, you know, mm-hmm. there, there, there was no internet. So, you know, a young person couldn't distribute and publish, you know, the way that they can now. You know, now with the technology, um, just the, the doors and the, 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 the distribution is just so wide open. But back to the entrepreneurial part, it, it was just those two things. What do I enjoy doing? Where can I add value? And, and certainly, um, I, I think you mentioned, Lissette, uh, just some type of hesitancies and things of that nature. And I think a lot of people, if you listen to them about entrepreneurship, um, they they have fear. Um, they don't always feel confident. Um, but my, I guess, motto is is always just do it afraid. That, that That's my motto. You just do it afraid. Like sometimes I wonder, you know, will this work? How will this work? Feel full of the outcomes, but just have to do it afraid. And that's how I just keep going day after day and just knowing you're doing the right thing. You know, you just, it, knowing that your steps are ordered. I know Maurice talks about his faith and I won't go on a tangent there, but just knowing that you're in the right place, you're making a difference, making an impact. I mean, he mentioned or showed the guy Cavell. When I see young people grabbing onto this type of thing, I know that it's making an impact and there are more people out there that I can help. I feel like I am so uh blessed to be able to do this podcast because i get to talk with great people like you and there are times where i'm listening and i'm just like my whole mind just shifted because of just that that one little expression do it afraid do it afraid like yeah you're afraid do it anyways do it while you're afraid and 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 that is uh it's so timely right now right Right, right. It is so timely, I think, with a lot of the things that we've got going on too, Maurice, professionally. Clement, your words really are timely. Like, yes, do it afraid. Uh, and, and you know what, Maurice? I think we just found a guest co-host for when you're sick or something. And I go, because he can be the black and I can be the brown. And we're, are you bilingual, by the way? Yeah, español porque si no, no puedes hacerlo. I'll say, see, he has, he has me there. He has me there. <laughs> oh, no. I was about to say, we just found a guest host from when you're out. Uh, on his episode, just cross out the... Un pequeño. That's all I have. Here we go. Yo te pequeño está bien. Excellent. Well, uh, Clement, what, one of the things that we uh, do um, to end every episode is we uh, ask our uh, host, if there is one, I'm sorry, we ask our guest, we're the hosts. <laughs> we ask our guests, if there is one thing that you want listeners to walk away from this podcast with, what, what would that one thing be? What would that message be to our listeners? For me, it would just be impossible to really, for educators, because I believe, and you mentioned before, that is your audience, to consider you know, having some type of media program, uh, media in their units, you know, every school might not be able to have a full-fledged TV production uh, class or facility, but just even with things that they can do with their camera phone, things they can do with video, maybe even with their Chromebook, just allowing young people, as I said it before, and it bears repeating, to get exposed to this. 
because it's hard for young people to aspire to what they're not exposed to. So allowing them to get that exposure, I, I know they get exposure in writing and things of that nature, but that video component, because certainly, you know, whether it's Facebook Live, or Instagram Live, YouTube, uh, video isn't going anywhere. You know, the video will continue to be prevalent in our society and in our world. So allowing young people to get that training so they know what to do not just necessarily vlogs and walking down the street, but making an impact, you know, changing the message, telling stories. You know, I would just like to encourage educators to kind of look into that and seeing how that can be implemented, because I believe that will have a huge impact um, in terms of doors of opportunity, as we've discussed, uh, some of the skills that they learn and, and, and promoting the schools too. you know, who better to tell the story of what's going on in a school than those students? Yeah. So I think that would be a benefit to the schools as well. Exactly. And you know what? That's, that's excellent. What can any educator who is out there that perhaps is a teacher or an administrator, even a superintendent, what can they do to contact you? Uh, put, put your little plug in. Go ahead. <laughs> so certainly, um, they can follow me on social media. I'm very active on Facebook. C Townsend TV, first initial C Townsend TV. Um, check out the website videojournalismpro.com, videojournalismpro.com. I do have some online curriculum that you know educators could implement into their classroom that helps with some of this training and things of that nature. Um, and also on Instagram as well, C Townsend TV. Perfect. So for Black, Brown, and Bilingue, I am Lisa Jacobson. And I'm Maurice McDavid. Muchas gracias for tuning in.